Westlop Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Big Ten champions, y'all. Woo! Incredible. Incredible and so well-earned. I mean, this is they, this team really had that nervy stretch, you know, a couple weeks ago that feels like eons ago. And then since then, just down the stretch, just was laying teams out left and right. And that definitely included Illinois. <laughs> the, the schedule certainly helped, but um, but this team didn't blink in the face of expectations and um, doing something that hasn't been done in 30 years. And uh, yeah, they got it done. We got the, we got the court storm. It was quite a festive celebratory atmosphere. I mean, you were there, Sammy, right? Yeah, I was, I was at the game with my whole family. It was really, really cool. Um, Just the, the stadium was, was packed. I mean, the whole lower bowl was filled and there were people sitting in the upper bowl, which we hadn't seen you know, in all the previous games I've been to, the crowd was electric. Um, you could see the ladies were feeding off of that. And, you know, Illinois is terrible. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like it was really, really cool. You know, the fans stormed the court. That, that's, that's awesome. And just like it, it felt, it felt really, really good to, to be there, you know, Sharing, the, I'm sure. Okay, whatever. We're sharing with with Maryland. Fine, but you're not going to take. You can't take that trophy away from us. That whatever is we, a trophy. We, that's a trophy that's going in in the office. That's a banner that we could hang in the rafters. Hey, we won it first. That's true. Um, I I'm so happy for the team and the fans. Frankly, that this happened at home. I thought it was amazing. Um, the crowd looked great on TV, and I'm 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 so pleased that the Northwestern community was able to come out and celebrate this team and give them the senior day and the support and the love that they deserved. Um, it, it was, it was great. One of my favorite moments and those who are watching on TV will remember this in that the, the, the TV broadcast cut to um, what looked like maybe two or three, maybe it was more than that. Um, and you basketball players, uh, men's basketball players who were sitting uh, behind one of the hoops, watching the game and I believe the majority of them were sitting down and, and comment like commented specifically on the men's team being there. Um missing the fact that the the football super fans were right there next to them on their feet and jumping up and down and being wild. Um and they, they finally got got those guys some screen time later in the game, but it just it was a very funny moment to me midway through. But I mean the reality was uh, the, on on the bread co- broadcast, it was a celebration of Pulliam. It was a celebration of Shide. It was a celebration of um, of Burton. I the, the the color commentator is a is a um, is someone who played at Indiana uh, for a few years. They won the NIT tournament, I think, two years ago, and so she's becoming kind of an up and coming um, announcer in the Big Ten uh, area. And you could like you could tell that she knew the Northwestern players and was just thrilled to be watching them perform it was, so it was just it was fun all around and um i mean like th- th- this team celebrated they were super excited i i loved uh the press conference after the game where you had mccune with with the netter on his neck and pulliam sitting there next to him and him talking about what kind of a leader she was how she hated to lose and and how how she helped him build this team how much respect her teammates have for her how much she cares about 
playing for a good team and not just being a good player. And it just like everything about that afternoon was so special and fun. And, but at the same time, like this team is not done. They're not close to done. No, not at all. Um, it's funny. You talk about McEwen and just the way that exact press conference you're talking about. And he comes across as so likable and so down to earth. And I was thinking when we had Kaylin Kaler on a couple of weeks ago, and she told that fantastic story about, how just inclusive he was of the cheerleaders and the level of respect he showed to them. And just, you know, that she'll never forget that and what a high character individual he is. And you, you know, it just, you see that and you feel so good for this team. And one of the other things that we haven't even really talked about too much, I mean, you kind of alluded to it when we talked about how big of a deal it was when the lower bowl was filled and, you know, the, the awesome turnout, etc. But this is a team that, Two, I mean, the entire nucleus of this team, minus Burton, really, um, two years ago, were playing to crickets at ETHS's uh, gym, right? Because renovations were being done on Welsh Ryan, and they were not playing their games at All-State Arena. They were playing at Evanston Township High School. So this team has gone, you know, you kind of think of this perception Right, that it's not unique to Northwestern. A lot of women's teams fight for this, but I mean, Northwestern tends to be a fan-starved institution in general. And you have them playing at this high school, and then they transition to really this up and down season up until last season, where they're entering the NIT, and even then, they're not really much of a radar uh, on the radar uh, of of even the Northwestern overall fan base. And, you know, I've talked about this before, but they lost last year to Michigan State in the Big Ten tournament. Since then, they're 31-4. and And through all of that, you have the start of this season. They don't get ranked. We really thought that they had a shot to get ranked. They're not ranked. They keep winning and winning and winning. The polls are not reflecting that, even as RPI is looking great, even as the bracket committee is saying, like, look, they're going to get X seed. You're still not seeing it in the polls. They trail way behind Maryland in all the polls. Um, And now, finally, you get this feeling that they're 11th in the polls, just outside of the top 10. All these wins, all these conference accolades, and it's like, finally, the hype and the fan base and everything is showing up. Um, But... You know, showing up to the finally catching up with the quality that this team has shown all season. Speaking of uh, the Big Ten accolades, you got Joe McEwen, Coach of the Year, Veronica Burton, Defensive Player of the Year, Lindsey Pulliam, Abby Scheid, First Team All Big Ten, uh, Veronica Burton, Second Team All Big Ten. Honorable mention: Abby Wolf, uh, you know, Burton on the All Defensive Team. I mean, the, it just it's Sydney Wood on the. Um, the team on, on the media the, third string uh, third the team. team basically yeah the, <laughs> basically the team everyone you know is an all big 10 player i i, I don't see birdie glarnick but I, I i guess i guess that makes sense there uh, there isn't a free throw shooting specialist on on the list here but uh in, in any case i mean it, it's so cool to see you know how how well they're playing um, Big Ten tournament, you know, going on as we speak. Uh, we've got Michigan tomorrow at 5.30 Central. Um, you know, Michigan team that you know, we, we beat twice. And, you know, they played us 
close both times. Yeah, both both games were especially tight through two quarters. Uh, the Cats pulled away uh, once in the third quarter, once in the fourth quarter. Um, but they, I mean, an eight point margin, um, at home and then a six point margin on the road at Michigan. Like this is not a team that the cats were able to thump. This is honestly, I think one of the worst, probably one of the worst matchups for the cats out of, you know, the, the, the second tier teams in the big 10 that they could have been matched up with, right? Like Ohio state, uh, Minnesota, Purdue, Michigan state. Nebraska, Nebraska. Are, are the other ones and the cats pretty much hammered. Um, most of those teams, Purdue is, is, is another tricky one. Uh, maybe Minnesota too. The cats had a, had a really tough game on the road at Minnesota, but, um, this, I, I don't know. It, it'll, it, it'll be, you know, that Michigan feels like they got close twice and, um, they're, they're going to bring, you know, bring the heat however they're they're having to come off of playing the night before uh this cats team has has only improved since the last two times that they played they played michigan and um it'll be fun we'll see what happens and then you know they've got a a game against presumably the winner of iowa ohio state although that, that ohio state team has to to finish business against um minnesota and then um Who's who? Who does Maryland have? Do they have a uh, uh, Maryland's got Purdue? Yeah, yeah. Uh, winner of Maryland Purdue. So it's. I mean, w- whatever the matchups are, it's going to be three tough games. Um, hopefully, the Cats are able to play uh, at, at least at least two or three uh, in the next three days, and we'll see where the chips lie at the end. But I think it's pretty fair to say that regardless of what happens in the next three days, the Cats are going to be a top four seed in the tournament, and they're going to host two NCAA games. So it's, you know, it's interesting because for everything that I talked about a little while ago of the women's team and all the respect, the lack of respect that they've had to fight against. And frankly, I think that that makes and keeps this team hungry, that they've had to fight for that ever since they were in that high school gym two years ago. It continues right up until now. And it's tough because for as amazing the season as the ladies have had to everything you were just saying, I mean, the Big Ten's a good conference this year. And if you look at the top seven teams from Michigan on up, it's really pretty strong. And on one hand, you look and you say, boy, I mean, it's tough. The Cats are going to have to, you know, sweep Michigan, three wins over Michigan, and then beat Iowa, the only team to to beat the Cats without the Cats having avenged the loss, which is what happened with Maryland. And that that's the road, and it's such a hard road. And I bring that up because for all the work, again, that the Cats have done to catch up with the national perception, I was reading something today that was talking about the fact that they the Cats potentially, as things currently stand, would be a three seed and the top rated three seed as opposed to the lowest ranked two seed. And that the team that would be effectively ahead of the Cats is UCLA, who on paper in just about every conceivable way is a worse team than Northwestern. It's if you great. look at it's crazy to me that UCLA would be. Yeah, it's and and but that's the perception, and it's it stinks because if the Cats were to 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 lose to a Michigan team, that again you're talking having to beat a good team three times in a season is hard, and then if to do that, and then even if they pull that off to lose to a really good Iowa team again, it's like any of those things probably firmly lock the Cats out of you know, a two seed, which frankly is a raw deal because this team has an unbelievable resume. But again, 
people have been counting Northwestern out all season, and I'm sure right now they're all sitting there, you know, having watched the Michigan-Nebraska game, knowing Michigan's coming in and being like, no one thinks we can beat them three times. No one thinks we can beat Iowa after that, and no one thinks we can beat Maryland after that. And I'm sure, you know, this team is angry and hungry just like they've been all year. Did you guys see the um, the potential grouping that uh, the latest ESPN Bracketology had? Uh, you know, the top four seeds, Northwestern, UConn, uh, yeah. Oregon, and DePaul. Like, holy just, crap. Like, just like Sweet 16? Just horrific. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I saw that and I was like, I mean, just to have UConn in your bracket, I know it's a quote-unquote down year for UConn. But a, a down UConn, year for UConn, they're 25-3. and three. Yeah, and, and the idea is like, would you rather play UConn or would you rather play Sabrina Ionescu in Portland? It's like those are your options. <laughs> just, just brutal. Um, and but you know, I mean, whatever. If it ends up that way, it ends up that way. One of the things that you know I brought up to you guys earlier in the week that is just wild is, um, barring some shocking result that I don't think we're going to see, DePaul and Northwestern are both going to host regionals in the NCAA women's tournament, which. That is a moment for Chicago basketball. I mean, that's that's fantastic. If you like women's basketball, high high quality women's hoops, uh, and you live in Chicago, you've been dipped in magic waters because your cup is going to runneth over uh, come the start of the women's tournament. There's going to be as much basketball as you can possibly want. So that's just pretty awesome. And then, yeah, if the Cats somehow got a chance to uh, – I guess they wouldn't the way the bracket would work out. But to, to be out there in a region with – you know, one of the only teams that actually has had the Cats number this season. That would be pretty cool, too. So, um, leaving all of the wonder, wonderful, good feelings, um, you know, for tomorrow, I guess we do need to talk about just the continuing disappointment of the men's team. Um, losing to Wisconsin 63-48 after beating Nebraska. So, yay, we beat Nebraska twice. We're not going to finish dead last in the conference. Yeah, we're not the worst. Yeah, and uh, again, as someone who watched the whole second half of that Nebraska game, uh, I mean... What? Oh, the Nebraska game, yeah. Yeah, the, those two teams are just clearly the basement of the conference, and you saw it in that game. Northwestern effectively won because... So on one hand, you're like... I mean, I you know sent out a snarky tweet afterwards talking about free throw defense... Um, our free throw defense for the win. Um, but the flip side of that is it's Nebraska missed those free throws because Nebraska is an awful basketball team. You could say they had an, a, an off night shooting the ball. They're just really bad. And they had one guy who could make impact things happen down low for them and he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn and we started going hack-a-shack and the guy just couldn't hit anything. And that was the difference in the game. Um, so, I mean, it, it was rough. Um, it, I mean, it's good to get the win. I'm glad the guys got the win. The fact that they swept, right, swept Nebraska certainly puts Nebraska below them in the pecking order. Um, but, I mean, you saw in the Wisconsin game, it just, Wisconsin's a team that is good, not great. But just the whole second half, I mean, it was, the game was never close. And it was a team that is a quality team playing on a competent night. Well, the cats hold, just... hold, it was it was somewhat close throughout the first half and even in, into the early second half. And I then... mean, but I mean, again, but you, but you have to shift your definition of what close means, right? Well, because well, so... I mean, you're talking eight points. 
No, I mean, it was it was a five and six point game for a, for a period there. But 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 what happened is one of one of Northwestern's what like semi nightly uh, scoring droughts where they just went ice cold for seven minutes and through a combination of poor shooting and an inability to um, like like effectively open up the offense or or run the right scheme and I don't know what it is right like I'm not an expert in this space but it, it just happens too often that we don't have an answer for it as a coaching staff and and I you know it, I keep coming back to Chris Collins without Bryant McIntosh has really struggled um and and we've got two decent guys at the point this year like that it, it's not just that anymore um this was also a night against Wisconsin. Pete Nance, Pete Nance looked like a wholly different person. Um, yeah, 14 points for Nance. It's season high. He was shooting well. He was playing aggressive. Um, he was playing above the rim. His his passing was on display. I mean, he it it was it was like the twilight zone. Um, this is everything that we hoped this guy could be. But but even with that. Um, this has happened too frequently. I think it, I think twice during that game we went on a seven point a seven minute scoring drought, and it's it's just been indicative of the whole season that they've had these moments and these flashes, and then they 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 come apart at the seams. And it's it's not just the players. It's it's not just the Jordan Lathan loss that that set us back at the point. It's not the depth. It's not the injuries. It's 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 all these things plus the coaches seeming inability to find and manufacture offense when they need to. And um, it's really maddening. And I, I I don't think Collins is on the hot seat, but no, he's, he's not, but man, if it doesn't change next year, like the hell are we going to do y'all? So it's funny. You mentioned that because I've had something that has been kind of for like the past, week to two weeks been rolling around in the back of my head and then today it was brought to the forefront of my consciousness because friend of the pod adam rittenberg has a piece up today on espn about pat spencer and it's kind of a look behind everything that led pat spencer to come play basketball at northwestern um and and check it out obviously we recommend it it's a great read and if you know to get everything that was going on one of the most, but one of the things that was most interesting to me, and the part that I was most interested to check out, was uh, Tavares Hardy's involvement in the situation. And there's a lot of good information in there on that, and on exactly how Tavares was involved, and how he kind of got involved when he saw that Pat was kind of feeling like you know his recruitment for basketball was not picking up despite all of his lacrosse accolades, etc. And but with that said. I did not get an answer to one, the main question that I have had and that I've really had for the past two weeks. And this is where I'm going with this. Allow me to present what really you could say over this year and the next couple of years could be one of the great what if sliding doors moments in Northwestern sports. What if Pat Spencer plays his senior year, his one year of basketball at Loyola of Maryland. He doesn't leave. And one of the questions I was asking 
when I looked at Adam Rittenberg's piece was trying to read the tea leaves and being like, look, Tavares was obviously very instrumental in helping him. Maybe Pat was just dead set on trying to play at the highest possible conference, the highest level possible. But it's unclear to the extent to which Tavares tried to push him to try to play at Loyola. Here's why I bring this up for a couple of reasons. One, Pat Spencer's younger brother, who's a freshman on the Loyola team, has been a really good player for Loyola this year. He's put up something like nine points a game. Um, he's, I think, has like a four to one assist to turnover ratio. And, you know, with a lot of assists, like not a small amount. Um, and the kind of part of my takeaway from that is I don't necessarily think that that's because he's a lot better basketball player than Pat. I think there's a possibility the reverse is true. And if you want to know whether or not Pat Spencer can swing basketball games, I encourage you to go back and look at the beginning of our season when Pat Spencer definitely swung several games for Northwestern, including the Providence game. Um, And the reason I bring this all up is because Loyola has lost conference games this year by 1, 2, 2, 3, 3, 3, 4, 5, and 5 points. That's a total of nine conference games Loyola's lost by five or fewer points. Suppose with me for a second that Pat Spencer had been enough to swing five of those games if he had stayed at Loyola, Maryland. And remember, this is not high mid-major. This is the Patriot League. It's a way lower level of basketball, okay? If that had happened... Uh, Loyola would have entered the Patriot League tournament at 20 and 11, and they would have been the number two seed in the tournament. And then it's not much, not very hard to imagine a situation going beyond that where Loyola makes the dance. And on the flip side, Pat Spencer would not have swung the couple of games he did swing for Northwestern. And Loyola would be sitting at 21 or 22 wins and a potential tournament berth the same year we were sitting at three or four wins on the season. And then things would get very, very interesting. As it was, didn't happen, but it's one of the big what-ifs to think about uh, as we go forward with Northwestern basketball. So I I just have a technical question, and that's would he – is that allowed? Can you switch sports and stay at the same school? So we should disclose, right? We've been trying to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was a leading question. I should have said, we for two weeks now, we've been discussing, like, gosh, is that a rule? Because the only other person we can think of who's done this in this fashion is Greg Paulus, who was on Duke, on the Duke basketball team for four years and then went to go play quarterback at Syracuse. And well, Char- I, Char- Didn't Charlie Ward go the other way? He, yeah. he was playing football, and then he transferred somewhere else to play hoops? Uh, yeah. No, no. Charlie stayed. He played both at Florida State. Um, but did then, he play a fifth year? Maybe. Because sh- to me, that's the difference, right? Because you see guys do – you see two sport athletes all the time, like guys that play football and baseball and that sort of stuff. But they're like that fifth year, and, and, and maybe – I don't know. Maybe there's a hesitance on a coach – but like, why wouldn't Tavares Hardy have wanted 
Pat Spencer on the team. And so there are a couple quotes. Again, I encourage everyone to read Adam's article. It's great. Um, I Again, I'm kind of reading between the lines. There's a quote where he says that Tavares wasn't sure that Pat could be a top-level high-conference player until he watched a couple of games, including the Providence game. Um, so I'm kind of inferring from that that he's saying, well, look, I don't necessarily think that he's a high-major player, but I'll do what I can. Inferring from that is... Then, then what, wait, what does that say? It's like, oh, I don't want him, but here, you go to Northwestern. I don't and want I, him at my Patriot League school, Well, so here well, the Big so, Ten can take it. Well, so that's the thing. Like, I, again, like, I was kind of looking... F- for that and I'm you know and and again like these are the questions I wish were explicitly answered but I'm inferring from that I'm like okay so if you didn't necessarily believe that he was a high major caliber player then going from that you also didn't necessarily believe he'd be a dominant player at the Patriot League level but now in hindsight I mean looking at that I look I mean I just look at Pat Spencer and I'm like look is he lighting the world on fire for Northwestern no is he a very competent Big Ten caliber player? Yes. Yes. Would yeah. he have a massive athletic advantage in the in the Patriot League? Yes, he would. Um, and again, read those numbers again. Loyola has been dancing on the knife edge all conference season, and it's again, it's one of those things. I mean, you does, can kind does, of tell from. Does, does the article mention anything about his relationship with his brother? And I'm not suggesting there's anything weird here, but I could imagine that Hardy might have might have been looking at the makeup of his team. And if the younger Spencer is a freshman and a guy who's going to play and contribute and is seen as the future there, does does Hardy want to spring on one of his you know future stud players like? Oh, by the way, I'm going to take away a third of your playing time this year because your brother decided he wanted to play basketball. I'm just I'm just going to pull him over from the lacrosse team. Right? Doesn't like, it seem Doesn't it seem like the reverse would be true though? Like I feel like they would again. Yeah, I, I, yeah. If, I mean, if, we just talked to Alex if, Miller, right? Who's like yeah talking about loving at playing with his brother Sam. Now, like maybe they're not competing for playing time in the same way, but I don't know. I if I had to guess again, and I'm I'm inferring based on what's in the article. I think Pat who to his credit is a athletic phenomenon who is one of the best people his sports ever produced probably has the confidence um, and self-belief of someone who's that good and was like, I'm taking the best possible option that I can get. Um, And maybe it was just inferred that he was like, look, I'm not trying to play at Loyola and I get it. I'm just saying if he had, he probably would have made a really big impact that could have potentially had a much larger ripple effect on Northwestern basketball than even Pat's presence on the Northwestern team would have had. Yeah, well, I, I, I just skimmed through the article. There's nothing in there about you know any relationship with the like any weirdness with his brother or why. Well, Hardy... not, I don't think weirdness, but like you could see how that could make you that could that could cause waves right i mean they could be best buddies and that could still cause waves from sure like, sure man coach doesn't believe in me i the other thing we haven't talked about real quick is that by by making this move not only did pat spencer get an opportunity to test himself at, in one of the toughest conferences in in um, the country and to demonstrate that athleticism and 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 etc that you just talked about john he also got a free graduate degree from northwestern university <laughs> amen like, like good on you brother and you know, in the in the article, it does say that, you know he was the number one pick overall in the uh, the the new lacrosse league that's opening up. 
but he he wants to play pro basketball. So, you know, he's going to try to make a I would imagine he's going to try to make a play overseas. Well, that Cause... that makes uh, that that completely changes the um and I apologize that I haven't had a chance to re- read it yet. Um if I had a keyboard, maybe I could navigate to that, <laughs> to that article right now, but uh that that certainly changes the equation, right? Cuz if he had aspirations to play pro, absolutely getting the eyeballs that come with playing for a big big 10 team or a major conference team versus Patriot league is, is gargantuan. Right. Sure. Absolutely. And again, and and it all makes sense. Like from Pat Spencer's perspective, this all makes perfect sense from Loyola's perspective. They really wish they would have had him (laughs) on the team. And and again, you know, for Tavares Hardy uh, would have been quite the resume builder, but, but anyway, I mean, you know, for Pat, it's been a rough season, but he has certainly achieved what he set out to do. Oh, hundred percent. Which was proof that he athletically, you know, that his that his skills and athleticism carry over from lacrosse into basketball. And yeah, he's he's got no shortage of professional options athletically right now. You I wonder if like this opens the door for you know more of this sort of move. I don't know. I mean, he he played basketball in high school and like he was killing it in pickup. But I wonder if like more people will start looking out, you know, outside the box for uh, for talent, you know, trying to fill out a roster. I mean, you look, 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 look no further than uh, University of Miami's tattooed Australian kicker, right? Sure, isn't that dude from Australia? I mean, all all you know, Australian kickers and punters have been coming over for a long time. It's like there's a there. There's like an organization um, in Australia that's like, here, come learn to kick and get go to college in the U.S. Well, the thing is, though, is it's like it's it's not about Australia. It's about the fact that these these kids have been kicking rugby balls and Aussie, Aussie rules, rules footballs, footballs and soccer balls since they grew up. And um, they they're really good at it. Right. Like like tactical kicking is a is a the entire game of Aussie rules football is tactical kicking. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a huge component in rugby as well. So the, like those skills translate and this to me feels like a similar, I, I, I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like lacrosse to football is, is a, is a, is a thing that's real. And, and maybe you don't see that many players make the, make the switch at, at this kind of um, profile, but um, I don't I, know. It, it, it's interesting. So we should be conscious to talking about this as a new phenomenon. Um, we would do well to remember the Northwestern baseball player who was spotted playing intramural football by Pappy Waldorf while on the camp while on campus and invited to try out with the football team. Arby uh, Fields, a guy, a, a guy, yeah, Nick Kreinbrick, a, a, a guy by the name of Otto Graham. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but you were you were close. Uh, um, so it's it's not without precedent at Northwestern. There is there has there have been high profile people who have jumped sports and had a degree of success. Uh, at Northwestern, but, but yeah, it's, I mean, again, it's been a rough season for Northwestern, but for Pat, certainly he has, he certainly achieved exactly what he set out to do and should be proud of that. Uh, real quick, don't, we don't want, not going to go too long tonight. Um, but there are some news and notes from the, uh, from spring practice and, uh, that comes in the form of quarterbacks emerging from the transfer portal to be spotted at Northwestern. Um, just this past week, Jack Sears, Peyton Ramsey, 
uh, were both spotted on campus. Um, Sears, you know, transferring away from uh, USC. He was all set to go to San Diego State when they had a coaching change, and now he's kind of jet-setting around the country looking for a, a place to play his fifth year. I know he was at NC State today, um, you know, so he's bopping around a little bit. Uh, Peyton Ramsey leaving Indiana. Uh, obviously, we've seen him play uh, over the past few years. That'd be, a, that'd be an interesting fit. But, um, you know, Pat Fitzgerald making no bones about it that, you know, they're, we're looking to get better at the quarterback position. And, you know, by hook or by crook, you know, he doesn't care that there's five QBs in the room who started games last year. Um, they just want to find the best guy. Oh, man. Um, I officially hate this. Sure. I hate this so much. At the same time, like... I can't argue with it, and um, we had just we had an interesting exchange last week when this news came out that these guys were were looking at Northwestern and, and vice versa, and we were talking with our winning cures everything buddies, and our reaction was, oh man, and they were both like, as insiders uh, who have who have lived this Hunter Johnson, um, Aiden Smith uh, journey through last year, uh, but but their reaction was. Oh, that's great. Those guys could be great at Northwestern. It's just such an interesting dichotomy on those close to the program, those outside of the program and how they feel about, you know, what this what this might mean. I like I think in a nut I th- I think it's it's hard with, you know, with Bajaking coming in, bringing a new system, not having a relationship with any of these guys, like the, he he probably wants as many bites at the quarterback apple as he possibly can going into next year, and I I can't begrudge him that. And as much as I want it to be Hunter Johnson, and I want for um for that to play out in just a super positive, great story fashion, um I like I can't fault the coaching staff for um adding eggs to this basket or adding baskets with eggs. I I don't know what the right analogy is there, but you guys follow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, dovetailing with what you were saying, I think there are kind of three perspectives here. There's the inside perspective, there's the outside perspective, and there's the Mike Bajakian perspective. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, which the Mike Bajakian perspective is basically like, I don't care what anyone's perception is to your, just like you said, I'm looking for warm bodies. Like, I, I like bites at the apple. That's exactly right. Um, but it's, it's funny too, I think, you know, beyond what you were saying about our, winning cures everything things and and obviously our friend chris giannini lsu fan is going to beat the drum as loudly for transfer quarterbacks as anyone possibly could <laughs> I would think. Uh, it's worked out well for him but the i think you could extend that outside perspective to the perspective of guys like sears and ramsey and i think we get so caught up in thinking look you know, Mick McCall, et cetera, hung, you know, so many of these quarterbacks out to dry that they weren't able to perform to their full potential. And now we're like, look, we want to see who's going to emerge. And, you know, like to your point, we want it to be Hunter Johnson, but we feel Aiden Smith's got potential. We feel Andrew Marty's got potential. From an outside perspective, I think Sears and Ramsey are like, Northwestern doesn't have good quarterbacks. If I go there, I can just play. Um, and again, I'm not saying either of those perspectives is right, but I'm saying there is that big schism there. Um, and obviously from Jakey's perspective, he's going to use that as much as possible. Be like, yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to promise you the job, but if you think you can start, yeah, here's a scholarship. Come play. Um, also, as long as people are wondering, I think probably from our general perspective on the Sears Ramsey thing, Ramsey is the prize. Um, 
you're talking about a guy, and because you talked about this, we were texting about this earlier today, but you're talking about a guy who's had measured success playing college football. Um, and Sears was a major recruit who went to a big-time school, got buried on the depth chart by monster recruits, is known to be mobile, have a cannon arm, and be somewhat quiet. Does that sound like anyone we already have on the Northwestern quarterback depth chart? <laughs> okay. I should point like Sears and Hunter. He was in Hunter Johnson's class, right? They're even in the same class um, at, of, you know, coming out of high school. So I, I'm they, not they were a knock- elite 11 together, right? Right. So I'm not saying that as a knock on Sears or Johnson, who we still think could make the leap. I'm just saying, I'm not nearly as excited about running the same thing back with Sears as opposed to Ramsey, who, again, we've seen him start for Indiana and been good. So, I mean, if if those are the things. I should throw one more name into the pot. Um, Austin Burton, a much less ballyhooed quarterback um, who had, I think, signed with Boston College out of high school and then recommitted to UCLA, went to UCLA under Chip Kelly, never got... Um, any playing time and is now grad transferring out of UCLA. Um, I bring this up because Austin Burton is the brother of one Veronica Burton. Uh, so if you're looking for a connection there or something that would make him all the more likely to, to come and be a member of the team, even if just to, to be one more member of the room, um, being Veronica Burton's brother, um, certainly. And, and again, if that's the kind of pedigree that that family has, yes, I want as many Burtons as as we can possibly. To, to, that's that's the apple I want as many bites at as possible. Damn straight, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there, there's one other one other thing I wanted to bring up, and this is I think this is probably a couple weeks stale now, or maybe it was beginning of last week. Um, it's been a long series of days for me of late, but um, we talked about Hunter Johnson. Spring practice has started, and when when it opened up, you know, a lot of guys. We're on the stage talking in press conferences, and uh, Johnson was one of those guys that that got a lot of attention from the media for obvious reasons. And so I'll be honest: this is, you know, we're 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 wishfully reading into the things that he says that are going on because <laughs> we, you know, we ride hard for 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 Johnson, and we think that he got a raw deal from from Mick last year, and with everything else going on in his life, didn't get a great opportunity to showcase what he can do we're hoping that turns around but the 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 wishful thinking reading of what he said in his uh time with the media is that he's back he's locked in and he's pissed off and if there's anything that you want to hear from a guy whose year last year went the way it did that is that is what you want and um if he can channel that in the right way and uh you know connect with bajakian and demonstrate the confidence I feel like I feel like that's the biggest gap right now is 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 just his his confidence and his willingness to uh stand up and and take a shot be it right or be it wrong um that's you know that's what we're looking for I at the at the same time in that same conference press conference you had Andrew Marty just just slinging slinging confidence all over the place um that dude will have no trouble uh meeting Bajakian's expectations in the in the confidence department and he was just talking about um the the wide receivers he's talking about Jace James and how good his hands are and um just like he 
whatever role he has with the team over the next couple of years, um, he's going to be a fan favorite and a great quote for anybody who's talking to him. So I like it's, it's, it's interesting because the external media narrative to your point, John, and, and surely what guys like Ramsey and Sears are thinking is that, you know, everyone has referred to Northwestern as QB needy and lacking a QB, et cetera, for 16 months now. And those of us who are close to the program are saying, yeah, but, and, and I tell you what, the guys in the room are, saying that even more loudly and it'll be it'll be interesting what comes out um the cats like to talk about iron sharpening iron and i hope that that's exactly what this is and it and it bodes well for next season oh real quick before we go i do want to uh mention um the athletic has an amazing article uh by maggie Hendricks uh about the northwestern women's team i forgot to mention it earlier but if you're a subscriber to the athletic uh check this out it's a really really great piece you know kind of talking all about the team. I mean, you've been listening to us, you, you know what the, you know what this article says, but it's still a, yet another really cool look at, at the team. You know, it, it's a na- more national exposure for these ladies who rightfully deserve it. Um, and if you're not a subscriber to the athletic, you probably should be uh, because it's, it's phenomenal content. Uh, but yeah, Maggie Hendricks uh, has an article called the patient bottom up approach to Northwestern's historic season. I highly recommend you check that out. It's uh, definitely worth your read. And with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlotpirates. And you can always email the show, westlotpirates, at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the Westlot Orion field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe, Eric Skazba, and Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.